Welcome to another message from LifePoint Church, located at 400 South Abilene in Valley Center, Kansas. For more information on LifePoint Church, go to our website at lpcag.org. It is our prayer to invest in generations to influence community. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Steve Rains. at LifePoint and everything that's been happening and, and uh, this morning I want to talk to you about the, the blessed participation uh, as we continue to look at the Christmas or Christmas series, the gift, the greatest gift and for the last four weeks if you're new here or you haven't been with us for the last four weeks for all of it we've been looking at important figures of the Christmas story, some of them are obscure, others of them are more well known but all of them are significant Week one, we talked about anticipation, and we looked at Anna in Luke chapter two, um, and we had a special communion time at the conclusion of that service that was was significant. Heard from many of you about just how touching and impactful that was. And then we followed that up with expectation and talked about Simeon and uh, heard an incredible testimony um, from the Hollies as they shared their story, their journey, and how uh, they were expecting to receive divorce. Uh, uh, paper in the mail any day and that never came and um, and God did something radically different in their life and in their home it was a powerful powerful testimony last week we talked about invitation looking at the shepherds and um, just a shout out to everyone who helped make last week happen it was a an awesome day I, I gotta be honest with you I was here early this morning and and uh, was wa- just walking through the building taking care of things went into the kitchen and I could I could still smell the cinnamon cinnamon rolls and I was like Lord can you just manifest them right here right now again right Um, because they were just so good Um, and so anyway that didn't happen that prayer didn't get answered but I didn't pray it either but anyway with uh with all those individuals that we've talked about um, today's no different they're all pointing they're all putting the spotlight on Jesus and today in our text that happens again 
So we've talked about anticipation, expectation, invitation, and today we're talking about participation. And I want to talk to you about Mary this morning. Today's Advent Sunday, which the focus of this Advent Sunday is that of love. And how many know love requires participation? For you to say, I love you, I love Robin, Robin, I love you, but don't participate in any way to demonstrate that love to her, she would have reason to question that love. Christmas speaks of participation. God participating and saying, listen, I I love you this much. John chapter 3, verse 16, right? For God so loved the world. He participated in in the redemption story by sending his son. It it shouts that to us. The, The big idea, the target statement as we look at Mary this morning is Mary's willingness to embrace the message of Jesus at all costs demonstrates her participation. Let me ask you a question. Though um, you have sat in dozens of Christmas Eve services, you've heard dozens of Christmas messages or series, and you've heard many of those containing the subject of Mary, the person of Mary, and you've probably been asked many of times this question, Would you be willing to do what Mary did if the angel came to you? Could we be a people that would pray the prayer of John the Baptist when John prayed this, Jesus, that you would increase, that I must decrease? Because that's part of participation. Doing so, if we're willing to do that, doing that will make us... uh, a better spouse, a better parent, better sons or daughters, better an employee, a better neighbor, that Jesus would be the one who is the center of my heart and my home. And so in today's text in Luke chapter one, we read this, verse 26, in the sixth month of the in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And, came, and he came to her and, and said, uh, said, excuse me, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I want you to see five things this morning as we walk through this text. The first one is Mary's surprise. Now, you're like, Steve, that's a no-brainer. Obviously, she would be surprised. But you have to understand, Mary is in the process of of planning a wedding, not not giving birth. She's not not planning, okay, what do I have to do for this kid's arrival? She's not in that mindset. The scripture said that she's betrothed. So she's in a legal binding agreement at this point in her life to be married to Joseph. Joseph and Mary aren't just planning for a life, but they're also planning for a ceremony at this point. And in the middle of them making arrangements for their future, perhaps Joseph, being a carpenter, has already started building um, uh, their first home. And as they're making their plans, thinking about this divine er interruption unfolds to them. Can you imagine Gabriel hearing the request from God? In verse 26, it says, it says that Gabriel was sent from God. That word sent is is the word dispatch. Some of your translations may say dispatched. It's, it's a mission. It's an assignment. Those civil servants in the room 
understand the importance of being dispatched, whether you're at a firehouse and in the middle of the night the alarms sound and, and, um, and you're running to the fire truck or you serve in law enforcement and your radio goes off, you, you understand that that alarm is an assignment. It's you being sent to something that is crucial that you have to get to now. That's this moment that Mary find, finds herself in. Can you imagine this conversation between God the Father and Gabriel? Gabriel, come here. It's time to initiate Operation Rescue. Let's go. And you see it in verse 26. You read this. The city of Galilee named Nazareth. Have you ever been to a place and thought, how does anyone even know where this place is at? Or have thought, why did they stop? Why did the wagon stop here, man? You know, I think of places like that even in Kansas. I mean, I, we, you know, Oakley, Kansas, when I moved there when I was 20, I'm like, where is this place at? Or how about Mule Creek Junction, Wyoming? Anyone know where Mule Creek Junction, Wyoming is? If you go the back way from Fort Collins, Colorado, up through Lamar, uh, Col or Wyoming, You'll get to Mule Creek. It's just a little spot in the road. What about Pumpkin Center, Colorado? Anyone know where Pumpkin Center is? There was one person last service. Do you really? Are you just raising your hand? Man, it's, it's huge. It's a metropolis. You know? I mean, Gabriel receives this message. Go to Nazareth. There's no Apple Maps. There's no Google Maps. He's like, I don't know where to find this place. I mean, the Gospel of John says this in John chapter 1. You read this statement of Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? I mean, it's a place where Walmart, Walmart's not going. That's the next place we're putting Walmart. You know, there may be, maybe there's a Dollar General there. I don't know. But it's not like that's not the place where you think of. One of those places that if you blinked, you missed it. But isn't it interesting that Jesus would come from such a place, that his roots would come, would be from such a a community. And as we think about this holy night and as we think about the manger scene, we're reminded that there's no place too messy that our Jesus wouldn't go to. Let me just double down a bit more on, on this thought. Your life isn't too messy that Jesus isn't willing to go there. Your relationships aren't too messy that Jesus isn't willing to go there. I love that song, O Holy Night. And, and there's a line in that song that says the soul felt its worth. Man, my, my prayer as, as that, song, that, that statement caught my attention this morning, my prayer for you this morning is that your soul would feel its worth. How important you are to Jesus. How important you are to God. That you would feel your worth because Christmas shouts that to us. Your life isn't too small that Jesus wouldn't come to it. Think about the greeting in verse 27. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The Bible begins to highlight her, her condition. She's a virgin. That's important. But the reality is, is that we would never introduce someone that way. Hey, this is so-and-so, and, -so and um, they're a virgin. Could you imagine? Like, you're like, 
oh, you just did not say that, right? It's awkward. No one wants to, I mean, no one wants to know that. Yet as Gabriel arrives, it is apparent that this is a major part. This is a significant part of the event. In verse 27, the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her saying, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary is as surprised as anyone. She wasn't expecting this. She is planning a wedding. So we see Mary's surprise, but I want you also to see her sincerity. Luke recounts this. We see her, uh, her humility in this in verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. That word troubled is, is um, uh, perplexed. It's the idea of trying to put a puzzle together with no picture. Now, um, we, we didn't pu- uh, pull out a puzzle this Christmas, at least not yet. But how many of you, like over the Christmas season, you're like, that's one of the traditions you have in your home. You'll, you'll buy a puzzle and, and you'll sit down through the, the Christmas week or whatever. And you'll, as a family, begin, you know, just throughout the day, just start trying to put the puzzle. Any of y'all do that? We do that periodically. And it's just like part of like one of the traditions of the home, right? Well, it's the idea. She's perplexed. She's trying to put a puzzle together and she doesn't have the picture. She doesn't have the box. She just has a bunch of, she doesn't know what it, she doesn't know what she's trying to put together. You see the pieces, but you don't know how it's all going to come together. That's Mary. You see her honesty, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And her honesty and humility, we see that we see her humbleness on display in such a way that her hesitancy isn't because she isn't willing to submit to the plan of God. It is just that she doesn't know how it's going to work. Then we hear these words from Gabriel. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. That's the second time we see this statement. His first words to her were, Greetings, O favored one. We talked last week. Usually when an angel shows up throughout the pages of Scripture, these first, the first words are this, Fear not. Because if an angel showed up to you tonight, you'd freak out, right? I mean, I would. I'd be like, um, that's not normal. And, and so typically they come and they say, fear not. But in this greeting, it's greetings, O favored one. Greeting comes with the idea of giddiness and, and gladness. Gabriel is, is thrilled to deliver this message, but sees on the face of Mary this, this confusion. Not resistance, just confusion. He says it twice. Perhaps the second time, maybe, maybe he grabs Mary's cheeks and like pulls her in and says, Look, Mary, look at me. You have found favor with God. Mary was a recipient of grace. She didn't earn that, but she received it. Just as Gabriel said to Mary, you are highly favored. I just want to submit and I want to speak over your life today that you're a recipient of grace too, or you can be. When Gabriel says the Lord is with you, Lord is the word, the Hebrew, or the Greek word is Emmanuel, God with us. The Lord is with you too. He, he's here for you, fighting for you. 
wants to go before you, the, the events of your life that are going to be happening in, in the days and weeks and months ahead. They may be unknown to you. Some of you know what's going to happen and the transitions that are going to be brought into your life because of that. The Lord, Emmanuel, is with you. He's crazy for you. He wants to walk through life with you, but also into eternity with you. So on this Advent Sunday where we focus in on love, there is no clearer demonstration of that love than Jesus coming. And God wants to demonstrate it to you in your life. But we have to be a willing willing participator in that. So if you haven't done it yet this season, I encourage you to do it today. Put yourself in the Christmas story. You need not only to hear these words, but you need to experience them. So we've looked at the surprise and the sincerity, but I want you to notice Mary's surrender. With the sincerity and the surprise, she says, how will this happen since I'm a virgin? What's interesting to me as I look at this story yet again this year is Mary's statement, it it wasn't, this is absolutely impossible for you to do this or for this to happen. That's not her attitude. That's not her, her thought. It was this. It was, how shall this be? She is leaving room for God to work. And my question for myself, my question for you is, are you? Are you, are you leaving room for, for God to work? She wasn't saying, I don't believe. She was saying, man, help my unbelief. Help me to see the picture so that the pieces of the puzzle come together. There's this openness she demonstrates, but she also displays a willingness. In verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant, meaning the bondservant. All of me belongs to all of you, God. There's not a a portion of my life that you can't put your hands to, that you don't have access to. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She, she surrenders, but, but how does she do it? Look at verse 35. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Overshadowed. The same Holy Spirit that hovered over the earth at creation would be the same Holy Spirit that would hover over her to allow something supernatural to happen within her. Creator God holds the heavens, Scripture tells us, in the span of his hand, would be held in the hands of one who bore his image. Mary was willing to suffer being misunderstood, all for the cause of God's plan. She was a, she was a willing participant. For those of us in the room that are followers of Jesus, may we be willing to be misunderstood. Would we be willing to be labeled because of our willingness to participate in what John Eldridge calls this divine romance? Next, I want you to see Mary's salvation. Notice verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus is, mean, his, his, his name in Hebrew means Yahweh is salvation. 
God is salvation. The purpose of why Jesus came is to set us free from sin so that we can be in right relationship with God, so we can participate in all the blessings and all the, the joys and, and all the hope that the Father extends to us. So there's no sin, there's no separation that Jesus isn't able to cleanse or to close. That is the power of Christ. That is why the angel said this in verse 32, and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high God. That declaration takes us or takes me to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where the prophet Isaiah writes this, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and the peace there will be no end. There's power in the name of Jesus, but also there's also a preeminence. In verse 33 of Luke 1, we read this, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. I mean, we read at the beginning of service from Micah chapter 5, Micah the prophet declaring the same thing there. Jesus, listen, Jesus has outlasted and has outled every political party, every uh, political figure known to humanity. Every hater, every influencer, he is the eternal king. There is power and preeminence in his name and in his love, but there's also purity in his name. In verse 35, it says, Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. Holy means perfect. If he would have came through his earthly father, Joseph, he would have had a sin nature like you and I have. But he didn't come through his earthly father, Joseph, because earlier in the chapter we read that the Holy, the, that the, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, Mary, and you will conceive. He didn't have, Jesus didn't have the same nature, sin nature as you and I to display. He didn't have that sin nature that maybe your kids will display tomorrow or whenever you open up Christmas presents if they didn't get what they asked for. Have you ever been in that room? Or been guilty of that yourself, perhaps? So here's the deal. Tomorrow, Mom, if your kid throws a fit because they didn't get everything on their list, just, just look at them and say, who is your father? And look across the room at their father and say, that's your seed right there, right? No, don't do that. That's bad advice. Just scrap that plan. But, man, all of us have fallen short and are in need of a Savior. That is why Jesus came. You and I are in need of a Savior. And the only way that we can have a Savior is if that Savior is holy and Jesus was. He was perfect. He was, out he was without blemish, able to offer that perfect sacrifice. There was no sin in him. So Mary's salvation would lead to this last thought, and it's Mary's, Mary's song. Look at it in verse 46 and 47. And Mary said, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary is quoting from the book of Psalms throughout that song that she sings. She's also uh, quoting from 2 Samuel chapter 7, which is a prophecy of the coming 
Messiah through David's tree, King David's tree back in the Old Testament. And so here you have this event that's going to be unfolding in months away in Mary's life where a baby will be born. Christ will be born, laid in a manger. We know historically, we know that it's not a wooden manger like this. We know that it was a rock that was hewn out, feeding trough in a cave. But a, a rock would be hard to do this illustration with, so I went with our Western manger scene. And so this baby would be born and placed within a manger, the Christ child. That would, all of heaven would come and be involved. And, and can you imagine, as the angels of heaven gathered and looked over the portholes of heaven or however it unfolded, and they're, they're seeing Mary, they're seeing Joseph, individuals that were willing participants, though at one moment they were perplexed, but now they're here. The shepherds show up wise men, all, all those that were there that night. This holy moment, gazing on the face of God. The awe would have been indescribable. Looking at a manger, that contained a baby all for this purpose that the manger would become a table and Jesus speaks these words of himself in John chapter 6 verse 35 I am the bread of life we learn that the Messiah would be born in the city of Bethlehem, Bethlehem meaning the house of bread. Prophetically, as we looked at it here a few weeks ago, Jesus, the bread of life, born in Bethlehem. So, this reality can be your reality that you would have a place at the table. If the cradle didn't ha doesn't happen, the table doesn't happen. Do you, get, do you understand that? And Jesus, the bread of life, allows himself to be broken so that you can have eternal life so that you can you can have Christmas that's rich and full of participation because you're not at some on the outskirts you are invited to the table because God wants you there God wants you there. And so in his perfect plan and his mysterious plan, he sends his son 
born of a virgin, born, born in a manger, so that you can have a place at the table. Participate again, as John Eldridge says, this divine romance because you are loved, dearly loved. That God is willing to go to messy places and far off places to rescue those who are far away. And as we come to the table of the Lord this morning, at Life Point, we have an open communion. That just simply means this. If you're a follower of Jesus, whether Life Point's your home church or not, you're invited to participate in communion. Now, if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I, um, I've never accepted the invitation to the table. Listen to me. I hope this morning as we've walked through this account from Luke chapter 1 you understand this that there's a place at the table for you you just have to accept the invitation to come you don't come by cleaning yourself up first you just come to receive what he's done for you And you have to respond to what Christ has offered, what God has offered through salvation through his son, forgiveness of sin through his son, being in right relationship with God Almighty, not on the merit of what you've done, but what he did. And you're here this morning as you ponder this message, like, man, I, I need to do that. I, I need to make my reservations, if you will, so I have a place at the table. With your heads bowed, I just want to lead us in a moment of reflection, but also for anyone here that's not, if you wouldn't say, when you came into this place today, you'd say, man, I'm not, I'm not followed, Je I'm not a follower of Jesus. My life clearly demonstrates that I'm living for myself. Not that I'm a, a wicked, evil person, a bad neighbor, but I realize that I, there's separation between myself and God. And I, I don't want that. I, I want a place at the table so I can know his peace, that I can know his grace, and I can know this love that would do such a, such a thing as what Jesus did. Father God, as we sit here this morning before we partake of communion, we examine ourselves. And Lord, if anyone's here and and prior to this moment, they would say, you know, I'm not a Christian, I, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but, but in this moment, they have done an inventory, and they want to make some changes, they want to allow you to have your rightful place in their life, they want to receive your forgiveness, and ask you to be their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that in this moment, that they would pause, and they would say, Lord, forgive me, have your rightful place in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. Cleanse me.
Let me be in right relationship with you, Lord, based on the merit of what Jesus did and his great love for me, that he would go to my messy place, my far-off place, and step into my life right now and give me new life in Christ. Lord, I pray that if anyone in this room has whispered such a prayer, has offered such a prayer to you, Lord, I thank you that you hear that. And Lord, Lord Luke 15 tells us that all of heaven rejoices when one person steps into relationship with you. God, for the rest of us, as we reflect from the cradle to the table and your participation in this redemption story of our lives, God, we're so grateful for our place at the table that you've prepared for us. And we're so humbled. God, and we take this bread that represents your body that was broken for us. And on the night that you were betrayed, you took bread and you broke it and you said, take, eat. This is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, we take this bread together and we say thank you for your plan of salvation and for working your plan in our life. In Jesus' name. Go ahead, church, partake of the bread. Thank you, Jesus. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you that our salvation isn't in our own efforts and in our attempts. God, you established the new covenant. You were a willing participant in humanity's redemption story. You were the ultimate sacrifice. You were the sacrifice. It was you who said, it is finished. And God, we just want to take hold of all that you are. This Christmas season, we want to take hold of all that you are and walk in marvel and amazement and gratitude, we pray. May we learn from Mary. And may a song rise within our heart towards you, God, of your great salvation, we pray. And we take this cup together. Until you come, and even so, Lord, come quickly, we pray. In Jesus' name, go ahead, church. And in your own words right now, would you just express your gratitude as you reflect on this moment? step to the conclusion of our service or get closer to it thank you for being the light of the world and Lord may that light 
shine in the corridors of our being. May we reflect it to a world that's in darkness, Lord God, we pray. This concludes the teaching. Thank you for listening, and we hope you can join us for next Sunday's service with Pastor Steve Rains.